episode 37 of Night Shift after a busy weekend for the London Knights, and we will break it all down right here. And you can follow along with the podcast and all the previous episodes over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can follow us on social media at Stubbs980 with two Bs, at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. We got to talk, of course, the uh, start of a road trip for the London Knights, which included back-to-back games on Saturday and Sunday, coming off a win on the Friday. We're also going to discuss London Knights' comebacks and how a a game earlier this weekend actually caused you to remember a comeback, Mike, from 2017 and the road greatness. Despite the weekend, the London Knights still hold the best road record in the Ontario Hockey League and have a chance to have the best road record of all time. Yeah, you want to put some perspective on this? It is ending the month of February right now. And the Knights, even with their loss in Owen Sound, even with the overtime loss against the Guelph Storm, they have an opportunity to still match. Now, this is a tall order, but still match or even be better than the team of the century road record, the all-time road record, 28 and six on the road. The team of the century has the best mark, the 2004-2005 London Knights, and the Knights could still get there. Amazing. They'd have to win all eight of their remaining road games. That's a tall order because you've got Sarnia and Windsor coming up. You have a trip through the north that will go to Barrie, and you have to play in North Bay. So it's, it's not an easy run, but if they were to win, all of their remaining road games, they would actually come out with a better road record than the team of the century. They'd be 20, what would it be? 28, five and one. Yeah. And the team of the century, 28 and six. Just incredible to put in perspective how good this team has been so far on the road this year. Let's talk about the games this weekend. It started off on Friday night with a four to three shootout victory over the Sarnia Sting. I believe now the third consecutive game against Sarnia. That has been decided by one goal. George Diaco tied the game in the third period on a power play and then scored the shootout winner as well. Brett Brochu with that win is now second place all time in the London Knights history for wins by a goaltender. That's pretty incredible because you have to remember he would be right now very likely in first place. He would be top of the list because we had a pandemic season that he didn't play a single game in. And so that took away an entire year of Brett Brochu. And here he is just passing Gene Chirillo for number two all time. So congratulations to Brett Brochu. Again, it's going to be tough just based on the number of games remaining in order to catch Michael Hauser for number one. But Brochu, if we look at victories right now, Michael Hauser, 93 Brett Brochu, 85. So he is eight victories away. Wow. The Knights have 11 games remaining. Going to be tough, but be tough. See, where, see where he is, is is pretty impressive. He could come close, but uh, yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Also, I want to remember too, the season prior, even before the entire year of uh, COVID, which knocked out a season, the year prior, the, the, the season was shortened. And that was when the London Knights really loaded up and they had a spectacular team. That was Brochu's rookie year. And still they had games taken away that season. So if you compile those games on top of an entire year, be pretty safe to say that Brochu would potentially, if not safely, be in that first place slot. But nevertheless, what an outstanding career for him and, and what a job he has done. 
But uh, let's move on to the rest of the weekend. And London Knights drop a 7-5 decision to Owen Sound at the uh, Harry Lumley Arena over in Owen Sound. Now, despite being down 5-0, the Knights actually made it a game. They scored four answers. They made it 5-4. And then, unfortunately... Owen Sound was able to pull ahead afterwards, and they did claim the victory. Uh, Kobe Barlow scored his 40th of the season. It also snapped the uh, opportunity for Zach Bowen to tie for the most consecutive wins by a rookie goaltender in OHL history. So that streak comes, I believe, at 15 was the number for him. It was, and Matthew Villalta of the Sioux Greyhounds, who's now playing with the Ontario Reign and the Kings organization, he had 16. And fans are going to wonder, Kyle, if they didn't see this game, hear this game, pay attention to this game, what happened? How do you do what the Knights have been doing and then fall behind 5 nothing to a team that you had beaten 9-1 the game before? And I think we've got to look at the emotion of what happened this weekend. The Knights and Sting played as close to a playoff game as you're going to find in the regular season. And I think there was a little something to it, even among the players, for the battle of the 402. They wanted that battle of the 402 title. I talked to George Diaco about that, and he said, oh, we know it mattered. It did. And so you had a really emotional comeback win you have this high and then you play the next night and there was a bus trip involved so I mean there were a lot of things Owen Sound was definitely ready to come out in that one and they did and they built a five nothing lead and this is going to wind up as a seven five loss that nobody thinks too much about years from now but I think you look at this game and you have to look at the response it would have been easy for the Knights to lose this 11 nothing you're down five nothing yeah you know, pack the bus, on to the next day, on to Guelph, and they didn't. They nearly came all the way back. They made it 5-4, and then a power play gave Owen Sound another chance, and Colby Barlow is something special to witness. We were seeing players this week where when you look and say, hey, I don't have to pay hundreds of dollars for a ticket to go and see this guy play in the NHL. Make sure you check out Colby Barlow. Make sure you check out Sam Dickinson of the Knights. He had himself a tremendous weekend. And you're just looking at players who, when you watch them, you say, there's something special here, something different about this player. And you get a chance to capture it. Colby Barlow scored two goals against the London Knights, where I bet there was an opening the size of a margarine container. And he put the puck in both times. He scored his 40th and his 41st. This guy's 17. He is a special player when it comes to being able able to shoot the puck. And then Sam Dickinson had two goals in the third period in Owen Sound. He was the guy that helped to bring the Knights back to that 5-4 mark. And he was just on a different level this weekend. Remember, the Knights played on Friday night without Isaiah George, without Ethan McKinnon on defense. And so Sam Dickinson was seeing some serious minutes. That was maybe another part of Saturday as well. You had guys who had to log a lot of minutes. Sam Dickinson did. Logan Mayu had had to log a lot of minutes. Jackson Edward had to log a lot of minutes. And so that kind of wore on them as the weekend went along. Ethan McKinnon returned. Isaiah George hopefully isn't too, too far away. Landon Sim was out with a lower body injury this weekend, and he should be able to return in the very near future. But the Knights were in a position where they were down 5-0, and they fought back. You got to take that. And then Denver Barkey scored to make it 6-5, 
and that was his 20th of the season. That line this weekend of Denver Barkey, Easton Cowan, and Ryan Winterton, that was special as well. Easton Cowan had himself a tremendous weekend. When this line is on the ice, picture yourself and watch what happens even when you are a player on the opposing team and you have the puck in your own zone. And just imagine what this is like, because Easton Cowan is all over you and you're trying to get away and you just get away from him. And then all of a sudden, Denver Barkey is up underneath you. And then Easton Cowan is back. And next thing you know, they have the puck. And that happened again and again and again. And Ryan Winterton is getting he is so close to being able to just put the puck where he wants it to go. Remember, he missed the first part of this year. His shooting percentage right now is a little over 5%. Last year, it was as high as 15 and 20% with Hamilton. That'll come back. That'll balance out. And so Ryan Winterton down the stretch is going, he's been a huge factor since joining the team. He's going to become an even bigger factor. Watch for that. But this was a game where Owen Sound, full marks for winning it. But the Knights' response in the second half of the game, impressive. He got Denver Barkey with 55 points in the year. Easton Cowan hit the 40 mark threshold. And Ryan Winterton has come over and put up 25 points in 24 games himself. So, that's a lot of points and a lot of production between those three guys. And that's not even mentioning their top two point getters in Sean McGurn and George Diaco, who are at 73 and 69 Logan may you on the back end, Brody cranes tripped in. So there's, there's a lot of production from a lot of different guys. And, you know, speaking of Ryan Winterton, he had three assists on the game on Saturday as well. He has really come in and he's slowly starting to show the, the, you know, his production and what he can do centering a line with those two guys. But, you know, also what's important about him is his ability and, understanding of his defensive responsibilities. Absolutely. And Jim Van Horn sat down and talked with him about this. And Ryan Winterton is a guy who's played a lot of wing in his career as a hockey player. Now the Knights see him and, and they say, we're going to shift you into the center ice position and watch what happens. So here is Jim with Ryan on defensive responsibilities and playing with the London Knights. Ryan, what is your job as a center iceman uh, here in London? Yeah, well, a lot of the time they say you're the third defenseman. So um, I think playing a full 200-foot game um, kind of, being that next guy for your defense um, and back checking hard, kind of, you got to work a bit extra if you want to be a centerman. But uh, I think, you know, it kind of pays off um, when, you know, you kind of get noticed all over the ice. And you have. You have started uh, rushes up the ice. I mean, you guys are at a level now. You can get up the ice with the speed at, that this game is played at. Uh, what are your reads to kind of get that puck and get it out? Yeah, for me, it's just back checking hard, um, you know, getting back, kind of trying to be the first guy back always, um, making defensive plays, whether that be, you know, on their rush, um, you know, taking a guy. Or it's just, just about really taking your guy and, you know, hoping the puck kind of comes to you. Um, but, you know, if everyone's on their guy, then it's usually a turnover going the other way, and um, that's kind of how we catch, catch other teams and, um, you know, use our forward check against them. You have more ice to cover in the defensive zone versus, say, a winger? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're a centerman, like I said, I've never been uh, my first game center this year. I've never been so tired, um, especially after coming back from injury. So um, it's a little bit extra work, but, uh, you know, I enjoy it a lot. Does this change team to team? Um, not really. Maybe the game plan a little bit, um, but not really the centerman's job. I think you're always kind of trying to do the same thing. Like I said, come back hard, um, be the kind of third defense um, in the zone and um, you know, they're kind of you're more trusted if you if you do that, and uh, you know you'll get played more. So, 
and this is important in the NHL too, isn't it, at the next level? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I was a winger before this year, so kind of being able to play wing and center, I think, uh, is going to set me up great, hopefully in the future. Congratulations on a great run. Um, these exciting games. Uh, I mean, how, how, how is it to play? I mean, the fans are really into it, and are they uh, emotional to uh, play in the, these types of games? Absolutely. I mean, the past two games this weekend against Sarnia and Windsor um, were two pretty crazy games, um, both going over time. And, um, yeah, so kind of hopefully build off that and um, get another two points here today. Give fans an idea of Ryan Winterton. When did this game really become serious uh, for you? As, uh, yeah, hockey. Uh, probably when I was three or four. Uh, I have a brother who's two years older who kind of, I think, uh, well, my dad played growing up, and then uh, he obviously liked it, and then he put my brother in it, and uh, we played on the same team together for a couple of years, and then um, he obviously went up a little, up, up a couple age groups, and I stayed down, and um, kind of from there I just grew a passion for it and kept kind of playing. Three or four, so you knew that long ago. That's this was kind of the thing for you. Yeah, well, I don't know if I knew, but yeah. I think my dad wanted me to put yeah. play hockey, and then you kind of build a passion for it over time, going to the rink and everything. So, um, yeah, just kind of over time grew a passion, and here we are today. Here we are. Um, you got to love the practices, everything about it. Do you watch hockey? Are you a fan as well as a player? Uh, yeah, I'm a fan. I wouldn't say I'm a diehard fan like some other guys are, um, but. You know, I like to watch, you know, a couple NHL teams, Seattle being one. Uh, you know, the Leafs still, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but the Leafs still. Um, and, yeah, just kind of overall sport fan. I just like watching sports, football, um, you know, any sport really. So, yeah, I'm a huge sports fan. Well, keep keep up the good work in all three of the zones, as you have been, and uh, continued success. Thank you. I appreciate it. Jim Van Horn and Ryan Winterton sitting down to talk about defensive responsibilities. You love Ryan's line. I've never skated more in a hockey game than when I was put at center by Dale Hunter to play in this system. So, Ryan Winterton, big addition, and we'll see where things go as we continue on this road trip. Ryan is a guy that, uh, like you said, Kyle, put up a lot of points uh, and and had a great weekend that way. And uh, when you look at all the other things that uh, that he adds to the table, it's big. In Guelph, the Knights again fell behind, had to battle back. And this is something that they will talk about again, and they will look at the number of goals, especially on the road, that opposition teams are scoring early on them. It's been three games in a row where the Knights have given up the first goal on the road. Hard to battle back, but they did. And you go back to the end of the game. The Knights had been down 2-1. Logan Mayu tied the game. George Diaco, 46 seconds, put the Knights ahead 3-2. And then late, late, late in the game, there was a face-off in the defensive zone, and the puck is lifted out of the zone. Sean McGurn nearly gets to it. If he gets to it, the game ends. But instead, Guelph gets another opportunity. Ethan McKinnon got the puck, and he was able to get it up in the air, but it's almost like he wanted to put it higher. Picture taking a shot in golf, and you want to get nice loft into the green, but instead you kind of connect on it too much. You don't get under it enough and it tends to go straight. And all of a sudden it's going across the green that happened. And it was an icing call. So if he gets more loft on that, the puck lands at the blue line and time ticks down. Instead, Guelph is able to get yet another face off. They had a goal that was not where they, 
they had a chance in which the puck got to the goal line. Brett Brochu kept it out. The uh, the hometown crowd flipped on the red light, but the puck didn't go in. They didn't even really have to review it. And then the next faceoff, Guelph again, goal line plunge. And this time Cooper Walker, who's so good at this, pokes the puck in and it goes to overtime and Jake Carabella wins it. So one of those things where you'll go back and say, well, if this had happened and this had happened, eh, things could have gone another way. The Knights will take the point that they got. They're now a point ahead of Windsor heading into the week, heading into a game against the Windsor Spitfires. Yep. And they are in first place in the West with 11 games to go. And that's, you know, the big thing, you know, Windsor dropped a couple games last week, you know, London drops a couple of this, like it's, it's the narrative of hockey. It's the way it's going to go, but you know, Easton Cowan still finds a way to get a goal and assist in that game. And the Knights have done a lot of their damage, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast on the road this season, their record is 25 and one, and they have five more games on this road trip. They have eight more. Uh, I believe they have. Five more games on the road trip. How many more road games on the season? I believe they have eight in total. Eight more on the season because they're at 26 right now. They'll play 34. And we mentioned it. The London Knights have an opportunity to match and potentially even best the road record of the team of the century. That was the 04-05 London Knights team, which went 28 and six. They only lost I think seven games in total all year long. And the majority of them were on the road, which we don't even need to talk about their home record, but (laughs) I think it shows the character Mike of this team's ability on the road to go into opposing buildings and come out with two points. And they've done it so successfully despite the weekend up until this point, most road wins in OHL history, 28 London Knights, 2004, 2005. So that is still within reach. Eight games left, you'd have to win them all. But if you did, you'd actually be better. That team actually went 31-1-2 and two at home. So 31 wins. They only lost on home ice once that year. And it was the game against the Sudbury Wolves that ended their unbeaten streak that set a record to start the season when a lot of guys were away at the World Junior Hockey Championship. So that was their only home loss that year. But most road wins, let's face it, the Knights this year could move themselves into the top five with four more victories. And that would equal a London Knights team from 2011, 2012, second best in Knights history. So that is within reach. If you win 50% of the games that you have left, you will be there. The Kitchener Rangers in 2007, 2008, 125. A Windsor and Sault Ste. Marie team, 126. And then you've got a Barry team from 2009, 2010. And the Erie Otters of 2015, 2016. Strangely enough, after Connor McDavid had graduated, um, (laughs) they won 27 on the road. But that was with Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strong. Oh, yeah. That was a juggernaut team. They were in the process of winning back-to-back to to back-to-back. 50 games in a season. So they want a lot of those on the road. So that is the rundown of most road wins in the OHL. But this club this year has a chance to get into the conversation with all of those great road teams. It's really special. It, it It's fun to watch. It's, it's incredible to see it happen. And again, a year after, you know, you let a, a couple of big names graduate from the program, you bring in some, 
some guys who have won in the past and you let your development do all the talking and this night's team is quite deep they are uh very good up front they've got depth in at all three positions really and that starts to wear on teams especially if we're able to to kind of switch guys in and out on the road and keep legs fresh and it's a testament to show how good this team has developed and brought the right guys in to match. And, you know, we've also seen that in games where maybe they don't win, but games where there there's just no quit in the team. And I, I know we talked about it on the, on the Saturday about the Knights around five, nothing. They score four and answer to make it five, four. They ended up making it six, five as well to cut into the lead, but they even did it on the Friday nights, Mike. And, it's three, two for Sarnia. And this is the Friday night Sarnia versus London at Bud gardens, London down three, two, they score a goal. They goes to review. It ends up being offside. So the goal gets waved off. We're in the third period. And instead of being a three, three game, it's three, two Sarnia still. Well, London just keeps pushing and pressing and they get another power play for their hard work. George Diaco then busts through and ties the game at three and eventually wins it in a shootout. And that was one of the things that I talked to George Diaco about was like, is there just, there's just no, there's a refusal to quit or to bow out in a game where things aren't going your way. Normally that breaks the will of a team. It just doesn't for London. And that's a quality that not every team has. And you go and look at the three, nothing deficit in Sarnia. That was the one that's the one because you can try and have that belief, but if it never happens for you, if you can never actually come back, you can believe, Oh yeah, we can do this. We got this. If it never actually happens, you can never completely believe. Well, that game will allow them to believe forever because they were down three, nothing. And in that game, they had a goal called off. And then they came back and won it. So as long as you've proven to yourself you can do it, yeah, you're going to sit there. And there are going to be times that the team is not as fatigued as it has been. And the team that they're facing is exactly as fatigued as they are. So it kind of levels the playing field once we get to the playoffs. And that's something that will be important as well. You know, the Knights have played an awful lot of hockey in February. This has been one of their busiest months. There was a makeup game in this month. This was a really, really busy month. And so, yeah, there is some fatigue. Plus around January and February, some of the young players who are playing 68 games in this short amount of time, they start to feel it. And then all of a sudden they work their way through it. It's it's one of those things where you you kind of learn how to conserve. And it's a lesson that you can't learn until you've gone through it. Where if you're going to be racing up and down the ice all the time, you're going to have nights where you're just off because you just don't have the energy. If you find ways to conserve, especially as a defenseman, you're going to be able to balance your way through. Why does it look like defensemen who are 19 and 20 years old are kind of playing the game in a rocking chair sometimes? That's the reason. They learn how to conserve. And so this is something that will come back around and some good lessons being learned all over the place right now for the Knights. And, you know, Mike, it's funny. You talk about the rocking chair defenseman. And one of the guys, at least for me, that comes to recent memory was Evan Bouchard. I think in the 2018 season or 2019 season, whatever it was, but he was playing in a playoff series against the Guelph Storm. And they don't tally minutes played or anything like that. But you could swear he played two thirds of the game. I think at minimum, he'd be playing 33, 34 minutes a night. But he never looked tired. He never looked out of breath because he had learned how to conserve his energy and go on the attack when you needed to he could turn it on and turn it off when need be and i just i remember him being one of the better players to be able to do it 
Definitely. Nope. There's been a list and Evan Bouchard is right at the top along with guys like Dennis Weidman, just yep. being able to take two strides instead of six and being able to not head up the ice as much as you would have in your younger years and then be able to be back. No, it, it is a skill. It's an ability and uh, it's, it's a good one to learn. And there are Knights defensemen who are going to master that watch how good they are in the future because of it. Yeah, they really, uh, they've really shown that that transition as well. And uh, you know, we've there's a couple nights games coming up, Mike, on Thursday and Friday. They're both on the road. Of course, they are part of an eight game road trip that started this past weekend. They've got six more to go, starting Windsor on Thursday, and then followed by a game Friday in Sarnia. Two tough matchups. Number two and number three teams in the Western Conference. Uh, I think we'll detail those a little bit more on the next podcast, but you know, the, the tough matchups and the playoff intensity style is going to continue for London. It will. And this is what you want going into the playoffs. You want to make sure that you're being tested. The schedule down the stretch is definitely doing that. This will be games three and four of an eight game road trip. And then they go up North and they finish against Guelph. And next thing you know, we'll have two weekends left in the regular season, 11 games to go and the night sitting in top spot in the Western conference. Pretty fantastic stuff. Follow along with all the other episodes on the podcast. You can also leave us a review or give us a message uh, on the show as well on social media at stubs, nine eighty two B's at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D, for anything you want us to bring up, any topics, any guests, give us a review, anything like that. You can do so on Apple Podcasts. You can listen on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Megaphone as well. That does it. We will see you Thursday and preview the weekend, Mike. Sounds great.